I'm all about keeping things simple and showing up and doing one simple, profound thing every day. And really what it is, is it's developing a deeper sense of trust with yourself because most of us don't trust ourselves and that's why we ask permission. So if we constantly show up like a really good friend and say, what are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? Every single day, we start to trust ourselves and we get closer to the truth. That's Jem Radow, and this is episode 286 of Wellness Force Radio. Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. You can have the same brain states as someone who's done an hour of meditation every day for 40 years. There's a lot of losses that we go through, so the ability to be able to cope with those losses is very important to build skill in it, because loss will happen. You can be fatigued and depressed, right? So then the challenge is, what's the best order of operations for trying to help someone identify what the root cause of their problem is? Do you like yourself when you look in the mirror? What are you saying to yourself? What do you think about other people? How do you look at the tree? You know, you have to have spiritual courage to really grow spiritually because if you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. What's up, my friends? Welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Josh Trent. Today, we're bringing you a special edition Friday show. This is with my dear friend, motivational speaker, cultural anthropologist, and personal brand alchemist, Jem Rado. Now, this podcast was completely organic, like on the spot. I had no idea we were going to record this, which my friend Jem and I, we always hang out. We were hanging out at my house in the studio one night, and we decided to just throw on the microphones and record what will be then one of the best conversations I've ever had with her. The great news is the health struggle she was dealing with at the time of recording has melted away, which is a testament to the energetic work she has done. So this podcast is even more special because this is a true deep dive into how to be a catalyst, a true catalyst for truth and love, which is so easy in theory, isn't it? Be the change you wish to see in the world. Be the love you wish to see in the world. We see this on social, but how do we actually do this? How do we put ourselves into a flow state to be this catalyst for truth and love? And more importantly, how do we do that when we're faced with adversity and health challenges? We're exploring with Jem the concepts of honoring and accepting our emotional bandwidth from happiness to grief to anger, how all of these serve us, why wellness isn't just a luxury, but a conscious choice we choose, and why any change starts with being kind to ourselves and how we can stop asking for permission. How do we give ourselves the permission slip to just simply explore the dark and the light emotions so we can then operate from the light? Well, Jem, she knows how to do this. She's very talented. She's one of my closest friends, and she's going to be officially your friend by the time you're done with this podcast. This is a woman who has traveled the world. She's coached thousands of hours helping others define their purpose. She's an NLP practitioner and calls herself a student of consciousness and personal growth. Speaking of growth, I am literally still sweaty. My shirt is sweaty after the workout. I was feeling that afternoon dip. It's about 4 p.m. right now. You know the energy crash we all feel sometimes in the afternoon. I was like, oh, how am I going to record this intro? Then I realized I have Organifi on my side. This green juice I've been slamming lately, sometimes three times a day. Not only do I depend on this when the weather is warm, but also Organifi Green has plant adaptogens inside of it. These plant adaptogens go deep into the mitochondria for ourselves and give us the energy from the inside out. You know I'm a huge fan of Organifi, and they have been such a strong supporter of the Wellness Force mission. If you've been looking for a green drink that actually tastes good and is good for you, 
for less than a few bucks a day, give this green juice from Organifi a test drive. If you don't like it, you can ship it back. Honestly, though, I've never had anybody tell me they don't like it. It's just something that I say. <laughs> Use the code WELLTHISFORCE. You get 20% off. Get your greens. There's no excuse. It's super affordable. Just go to Organifi.com forward slash WELLNESSFORCE. Use the code WELLNESSFORCE for 20% off. Get your greens. Stack your environment in your favor by using code WELLNESSFORCE for 20% off over at Organifi.com forward slash WELLNESSFORCE. Now, let's dig into this podcast with the one, the only, Jem Rado, live from the Wellness Force Studio. So, I mean, here's the thing. Yeah. We're, we're talking about this gender fluidity conversation. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I just get this sense that it's, it's not about things being, having no barrier. Mm. It's about the barrier between genders becoming more connected and the barrier drops. That's what I think it is, this, this fluidity mm-hmm. conversation. I mean, what do you feel? So I feel like, as I said earlier, I feel like we have been so far in the masculine. We've been in a patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. We have had a lot of aggression and a lot of anger and a lot of that just being a part of our culture. I just feel like energetically also we've been in the masculine And I feel like, especially over the past couple of years, there's been this kind of shift and upheaval with Me Too and all these different things and women taking back their power. And a lot of that, as they do that, they're more in, they're in their masculine, right? They're in their masculine saying, I want to take back my feminine. And I believe what happens is it's like a pendulum, right? We're all the way in one direction with this masculine. And then we're moving in this other direction with the feminine and I don't believe feminine is just about women. I feel like feminine is an energy. It's a way of being. And men are getting this wonderful opportunity to begin to explore their femininity as well. Because the construct before was men are masculine and these are the things men do to show up. And if they don't, they're not a man. So I think that it's not just, I feel women right now are playing in the space a little bit more of the masculine space. Mm -hmm. And I think men are getting this opportunity to begin to explore the feminine. And what I think is going to happen is the pendulum is going to end in the middle. And once it ends in the middle, I feel like the social constructs around around what it means to be masculine and feminine are going to shift and change. And I feel like women are going to have this opportunity to play more in their feminine because I think women are actually pretty comfortable in their masculine right now. And I think (laughs) think men are going to get to explore what their femininity is. And then they get to stand in their masculine and women can stand in their masculine. Mm. And maybe fluidity isn't the right word as far as gender goes, but I believe just the social construct our society has been built on are quickly shifting and changing. And you can say this because you have this background in predicting futures. Like we were talking earlier and I was thinking about, oh my God, what's really happening in wellness? Because in my mind, I'm thinking there's all these trends. There's like breath work, there's CBD, there's emotional intelligence. There's people that just are stressed the fuck out. That, that's what's really going on right now. And so this, I don't know, meeting of the genders with the wall being mm-hmm. lower, the fluidity between them. Mm-hmm. I love this concept. Mm-hmm. I just also agree that we have to, no, we don't have to do anything, but we get to understand that we're all creating it as we go along. Like how powerful is it right now that we can create whatever the fuck we want mm-hmm. as a, as a collective, as a society. That's a pretty exciting time. Like we're, we're in one of the coolest times to be alive. Do you know how fortunate we are to be alive right now? 
It's it's really powerful. It's a really, really powerful time. And I feel like the root of so many my issues and problems and challenges with health, it really comes down to disconnection. And I believe as human beings, we're walking around in our heads with arms and legs and there's this real disconnect from body. And I, I believe breath work and all these beautiful things that people are gaining awareness right now yeah. around yeah. is helping them land in their bodies. And I think part That's of landing landing in our bodies, we get to explore our bodies as men and as women yeah. or however it is what we identify with, right? And then expressing our masculine and our feminine. So I think it even goes deeper than a gender expression or a social role. I think it's even as a being, you know, I'm in a woman's body. And when I'm out of my head and I'm in my body, I think I exude a different energy than when I'm just in my head and I'm disconnected. You know, I can connect, truly connect with my femininity. And that's one of the things I help my my clients do is just really land and create that connection. And, and we, when we have disconnection, we have dis-ease, right? So I think really this work that we're doing to land in our bodies, I think it's also going to influence how we express masculinity and femininity. I think yeah. it's all really connected. It's it's intertwined. Well, I don't know what to say besides this has been like the most powerful hour sitting here with you so far. <laughs> Thank you. And I wish we would have thrown these on earlier, but here we are. The, my, your wish is my command. Yeah. And um, I, I have this sense that you and I both, we were talking like for the past five years, actually. I mean, maybe it's been five years. I think I first met you at this podcast event um, and it was down by the water. Isn't that the first time I actually met you? I, I believe so. And that was at least three years ago because that was when I first kind of started the show. So mm. it's, been a, it's been a minimum three years. In three years, there has been so much that has happened. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has centered around this pulse of like health and also self-love. Like self-love has been the biggest thing for me lately. The biggest thing. And actually, you know, it's funny. It's always been the biggest thing. I was just either focusing on self-love or not. And you're, and you're coming up to this really challenging precipice, you know, mm -hmm. of like exploring what makes you healthy in your body mm -hmm. and the different struggles and challenges that you're going through. And I wonder if people like you and, and me and just anyone that connects to this energy of really wanting to be whatever the universe wants them to be, I wonder if these thresholds are big because of that want, because mm. of that desire. Possibly. I mean, I feel like a really big piece of this for me is, is integration. It's like we understand these ideas in our mind for them to really land and really become a part of us and part of our being and our body and who we are. Sometimes to really fully have something land and integrate, everything has to shatter and crack. And to be really fully transparent. Ain't that the truth? Yeah, to be fully vulnerable. Um, at the beginning of this year, I really started to feel like this old version of myself, this personality was shattering and I was left in this space of curiosity, wondering who I am now, who I really am. And it's it's really ironic because for many years, I worked in the space of personal branding. And the way I defined a personal brand is your mission and your identity. And we communicate it three ways, to ourselves, to others, and to the world. If it's not in alignment, it's not powerful. And the really all starts with the conversation we have with ourselves about ourselves. 
that's so key, that whole self-love piece, yeah. whatnot. And the irony is where I'm now, and I said, your person comes before your brand. And I really feel like it's funny. We hang our hat, we hear the words personal brand, we hang our hat around this personality aspect of it. And I'm in this space of allowing what is no longer, I guess, real, dissolve and just being quiet and being curious and what's remaining. And sometimes it's almost like, Things have to shatter and then it's what remains and, and what is revealed. And, and that's the space I feel like I'm stepping into, but it's been a really painful process, like shucked like corn, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> to land. And I'm starting as you are to feel as if the gem that I really am mm -hmm. is starting to be revealed and it doesn't need to be with fanfare it's just there it is you just gave me chills because something that came up um just randomly through our social media posting on wellness force was this concept of your new life is going to cost you your old one mm -hmm. yeah and i felt that when you said that because if i'm a new person if i'm transformed then there's no choice but to let go of the old self and that can be the most scary thing, actually, because there's comfort in the old self. So I was talking with you earlier and I was thinking, how cool would it have been to go into a corporate law room and see you kind of with the shoulder pads and, <laughs> and, cut, <laughs> and cut papers with these lawyer people? Because um, this is like not who you are now. Mm. Like you're, you're such a connected, loving, but also powerful coach and leader. Mm, thank you. And the challenge, I think, that women, to go back to this gender fluidity and how this mm -hmm. ties into your new life is going to cost you your old one, it's the same damn thing. The new masculine is going to cost us the old one. The new feminine, it's going to cost us the old one. Like, there's no such thing as Norman Rockwell anymore. It doesn't fucking exist. Yet, at the same time, there's parts of our hearts that are connected to that old life. And so mm -hmm. I think as we rip the tree out with the whole masculine-feminine conversation, yeah, our new life is going to cost us our old one. But at the same time, can we be tender and kind to one another as we transplant the tree? Mm. Like that's, that's what I'm feeling right now because it's so easy in emotional contagion for women that have been hurt and disrespected, which there's no excuse for that, to whip other women into a frenzy, emotional mm -hmm. contagion. And also for men, it's the same thing. It's easy for men to go, well, we don't know what, we, what we're supposed to do, so we're just going to do nothing. Mm. So let's evolve the conversation to something even greater, which is how do we leverage the past so that we're loving more in the present? Isn't that what this is all about? Yeah. And you know, it really begins with tenderness and kindness with oneself. And I don't know about you, but I believe the way I navigate the world is with kindness and with respect and with love towards other people. Yet, some of the conversations and dialogue I have with myself, uh, not so nice, pretty damn judgmental. And that's really work that I'm doing, you know, and and so I, I think so much of this believes is this is connection with self and, and really working through that. And we live in this world that really conditions us to believe we're not enough. And you know, my background that I was a futurist and a trend forecaster and did strategic marketing. All right, and you got to tell me about this futurist. <laughs> what exactly well, well, is a futurist? Uh, well, a futurist is somebody who I have a cultural anthropology background and, and a bit intuitive and sort of carved out this niche for myself and worked on the agency side and just had this way of connecting dots and having this sense of this is what's going to be happening in one year, in three years, in five years, and so on. And, and just really tapping into that. And 
saying, okay, in, in as far as with business, where is there a white space to create something that no longer exists and being able to tap into and say, I see because of these trends, this is going to be a problem in five years that nobody is prepared to solve. So let me create a business that can solve that problem that I see is going to be there. So that was sort of the work that I did. And one issue I really had in working in that world is you're convincing people to some degree that they're not enough. In working with really, you know, blue chip companies, it's it's kind of like, oh, well, you need this and then you'll fill this. Mm-hmm. And that's where the term pain point even came from. Right. I'm sure. Right. And some marketing. I mean, if I even told you some of the some of the companies I worked for, they weren't selling things that were serving people's health at all. Promise that. And I just got to this point where I wanted to I really wanted to serve human beings. I wanted to serve people. And I thought, how can I use these skills that I have to, to help people? And, you know, I'm like you, that I am a consummate student and a seeker. And I've just put in my definitely 10,000 hours of studying and learning and becoming certified and mentors and just paying attention and going on my own journey and really walking my walk quietly. And um, I think it's Gary Vee who said something like, I was doing it for 15 years before I thought I had something to say. Oh, yeah. And I can really, um, that really resonates with me. You know, I've been I've been doing interesting work and really serving pretty amazing people for quite some time. And I'm finally in a place in my journey where I feel like I have something to say that's really valuable and it's really embodied and integrated in who I am, that it's not an idea. I didn't read a book or take a class. I understand the concept and can build on it and construct a new one. And now is a time where I'm really, you know, I built my business so offline and now I'm really in a space where I, I feel like it's okay to be visible. It's time if that's serving the highest good. Do you feel like you're going through the, the new life is going to cost me my old one moment? I've currently? been, I've been in the midst of it for sure. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's our, it's survival. It's our subconscious. It's, it's trying our old way has kept us alive. You know, God bless, you know, we have certain patterns and different things that we run that we, that get us through, that keep us safe. So I'm grateful for those. And I also feel aspects of myself are shattering and shifting and changing. And there's a grieving that goes on with that. It's not a consciously necessarily, maybe part of it is, And I'm finally at this place where I've been through some really, really big challenges in many areas of my life in the last few months, and I'm finally surrendering into them. And it's such a relief, Josh. It's such a relief to just say, you know, I don't know how this story is going to end. And I'm just going to trust whatever ride I'm going on is for the highest good. And I'm going to show up for it. I'm going to do everything that I can to be prepared and aligned and honest, and I'm going to do my best. And there's something about that, just being in that space. And then literally, I feel like there's a free fall happening and I'm going to land. And I don't know exactly where yet. Is that scary to be in the free fall? It's not right in this moment. Ask me tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's been my path is like going through moments of feeling so supported and moments of feeling like, oh my God, is this cliff ever going to hit the bottom? Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think about like even the way that you approached what was it? Anthropology and the study of anthropology and science milded together. Cultural anthropology. Yeah. Like that's not something that a little girl wakes up and says, I'm going to be a cultural anthropologist. Like that's not a normal thing. There's got to be something about your heartstring that played you towards that song. Hmm. What was that? Well, I will say my father gave me my first book on the subconscious when I was 14 years old. It's been a long journey. And so I understood there was this kind of special was your dad a pretty spiritual guy he's a spiritual guy yeah. yeah he's an aware aware guy spiritual guy science guy so he gave me that book and, and so those seeds were planted quite young and i the thing for me was i was fortunate i did a program in college called semester at sea and and i got to circumnavigate the globe on a ship and uh my biggest claim to fame in life actually is i got to interview fidel castro in cuba from a thousand right. people yeah that's right and that happened there but the thing that i learned on semester at sea and i think what drove me to study cultural anthropology was the quest to understand universal truths in humanity because you travel the world and the food's different and people dress different and yeah. whatnot but everybody laughs kind of the same people cry kind of the same People run around in a joyful kind of this. Like there's there's basic, deep, universal truths. And at a really young age, I just wanted to understand what they were. And I think I'm just fascinated. I'm also an artist. Like I'm such an expressive creative. I grew up as an artist, as a dancer, as an actress, as a singer. And I love expression. And so I love culture and I love understanding that. And I also love to understand when our ego and our cultural constructs and all these things get in the way from us expressing our humanity. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a combination of those things. And I actually had a minor in women's studies and I also studied film. So it's funny that now the work that I do, it was like you said, there was this premonition of just really wanting to understand human beings and help them tell their story. And the funny thing is I, I was a broadcast journalist for a while. I've done these different things. And now even my work as a coach, I help people understand and connect with their story and their truth. Yeah. So I've had this privilege of getting to help people do that in so many different facets. And the coolest thing about it is that I'm sitting across from you. I'm like, of course you're a broadcast journalist because <laughs> you have this way of connecting and speaking with people that's like, for a lot of people, it might be a little intense. Let's be real. You, you might be a lot for a lot of people. I, I am. But yeah. you're the perfect <laughs> fit for the right kind of person. Mm. And I get this sense because we both have this deep connection with Andrew DeGregorio. Mm. And, um, he's my teacher. I just have to honor that. And and I, I he's my teacher. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, this this construct that we talked about with masculine and feminine, it's changing. You as a leader, your body, your health, it's changing. Right when you came over to the apartment today, I was talking about how I just feel so supported and so grounded mm -hmm. and so energized in what I'm doing. It's almost like if we can just get the fuck out of the way and the universe can do what it wants to do, that's a huge skill set for living. Like how do we live life well? Can we get out of the way? Mm -hmm. That's a really big one. So I wonder for women, like, what do you think women are getting in the way most of right now when it comes to being a woman in the modern world with the crazy shifting old life, new life? I think for women, especially high achieving women, women that they, they're really focused still outward on checking boxes, right? Of 
the relationship and the work and the home and the yoga class and the outfit and the blowout and the, you know, all like all the, there's so many things we need to do, like just the bare minimum. We and and women are so we do it all backwards and in heels. We have such high expectations of ourselves that there's not always a lot of space left to be after we do everything we need to do. And many times, just to get it done, it's so much easier to navigate it in the masculine. So, I think the most difficult thing is like really having the space and giving ourselves permission to not always have to be perfect and have it together. And I had a really powerful conversation this week earlier with a with a dear, dear friend who I've known for a long time and has a has a marriage that is so beautiful and I love both of them so very much. And they this individual shared with me that they were stepping away from the relationship and why. And I was floored. I was shocked. I was shocked. I had no idea for so many years that the challenges that they had. And we're we're very open and transparent with each other. And I said to her, how many other women in my life that I'm really close to that are not, you know, clients or friends, right? How many of them have these challenges that they hold close to the vest, even from their best friends? It's, it's hard to feel totally safe, even with the people we love, because we hold such high standards for ourselves that it's like almost like we have to admit it to ourselves if we admit it to another person. Mm. So that's why I have felt so driven in my work over the past year and change to create experiences for women, especially high achieving women, to be able to tell the truth and be fully witnessed, be fully heard and just completely accepted and not judged. I want to go back because you said it's easier to do it in the masculine. Oh yeah. Like that's, that's true to some degree, but then aren't you also losing touch? And I don't know what it's like to be in a woman's body. (laughs) I love women. I've just never been inside of a woman's body. To do it in the masculine, to actually be in the masculine, that can be, that can be almost a, a disassociation of self, of who you are as a woman. So is that is that truly like a healthy thing to do to just get it done in the masculine? It's almost like a band aid of some sort. Absolutely, and that's why I said the biggest root problem in our culture is disconnection. And I think with women, we disconnect because that's the way we have to do it to get through. Mm. And I can only imagine. I'm not a, a mother. Um, then when you throw children in the mix and you have the responsibility of other, other humans and you know, it's, it's so much. And I feel like sometimes this could be the generalization, but just there hasn't always been room for sensitivity. And I know even as in, in being a woman, sometimes expressing my sensitivity and my emotions. It's like I'm being dramatic or emotional or a bitch or, you know, all the things. And so somehow we just are like, okay, you know what? I don't want to be difficult. I want to be respected. I want to be taken seriously. So I'm just going to numb it. And then sometimes it's just so hard for ourselves. We feel so many feelings and it's so much and we feel so alone and it's so hard that we just it's not even conscious. We just form this disconnect and we're able to sort of muscle through it and be yeah. strong. And I feel like there's so much more strength at times in the vulnerability. It's so much more challenging. And I feel like we're finally, there's just being space is being created for us to be able to tell the truth 
even to ourselves. So it's just sort of easier, I think, to disconnect. And like you said, though, all these beautiful things we get to experience when we actually just kind of cut through the bullshit. You know, what's funny is I almost feel like the going into the masculine just to get shit done as a Band-Aid is the same reciprocity for men that go into the hyper masculine Mm -hmm. to not feel what's really going on and breathe into what's really happening. And I've experienced that specifically in like intimate relationships where I really want to say something, but I'm like afraid to say it. I'm like afraid to actually say what is probably the most scary, but the most true. Like, hey, listen, I'm really sorry. I love you. And I didn't mean it that way. I was just hurt or I was scared or whatever. That's the angle for men. So I wonder if really what we're stepping into with the fluidity is a bigger bandwidth, like almost more yes. emo- emotional capacity. So if, if we've been raised by our parents who were raised by their parents and the container was like five feet wide, maybe for our generations and, and for the kids that will come after us, it's a 20 foot wide container of masculine and feminine. Don't you think that really is really what this is, is like a bigger bandwidth, a bigger space to play and explore? Exactly. Yes. It's like right now there are these like cubby holes. You're being, you're being masculine. You're being feminine. You're being this, you're being that. And there's just going to be a bigger pool, if you will, to luxuriate in and explore and express. And it, there not as many labels. It's just... I honestly believe this is an exciting time for humanity. I don't, I think it's going to be because moving into the space we are with technology, I believe we're going through something right now with gender and with the masculine and the feminine. And we're, I think this is just an opportunity for us to expand as human beings. And then I think everything, I think the next 18 months, even a lot of things are going to be happening very, very quickly in a lot of different capacities. But I believe that we are cultivating our humanity right now because of what is happening, what is also coming with technology. So it's going to be less of a men and women conversation, more of a humanity and uh, machine conversation. That's fascinating, cultivating humanity with technology. That is what, and this is my my sort of theory and thesis I've been sitting with for at least a handful plus years now, and I've just been editing it and changing it and shifting it and and sitting with it. And I really think it's fascinating where we are in consciousness and spirituality and then where things are going with technology. And that's the thing I have been tracking. And that is the thing that fascinates me. So I really believe this men and women and masculine and feminine is just the beginning of a much, 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 much greater conversation. And I think we're evolving as human beings. And I think our expression and who we are and, and, and becoming embodied and living in our bodies and being more connected and being more conscious and being more aware and, and tapping into aspects of our brains and our, and ourselves mm-hmm. and, you know, plant medicine and exploring. The awakening. We're in, we're yes. in a big awakening. We're in awakening. And that's what this is really about. Yes. I think that, I think it's like such a tiny conversation. I think it's important and, and I believe in equality and all those things, but yeah, it's not about, I think people are focusing so much energy and I think there's a lot of aggression in that when I think we're just we have to when you remodel a bathroom you have to you have to 
break a few things before you put the pretty tile down. It's like an upheaval. So I feel like that's what's happening. And it's not so much about that. We're going to shift more with humanity. We're going to continue to evolve. There's going to be an evolution that we're in with with consciousness. And then I think you bring technology into it. And I think all these things are merging together. It's happening in real time. Jam, this is most exciting. In less than two weeks, I'm going to San Francisco for this Mm. Awakened Futures conference, Uh Psychedelics, Meditation, and Technology. Really? So this is perfect timing for us to talk about this because I think about the kind of people that'll be there like men and women that are leading this conversation yeah like I almost feel like you just get to go I'm gonna invite you I'm gonna figure out how you can go there (laughs) yeah let's talk about the dates because that sounds fascinating May 17th and so anyways it's two days of exploring this space that Mm. it seems like you have so much energy and passion and curiosity for you really do You're, you're really like and this is why I think you and I gel we are both curious mm-hmm. about what the hell's going on. <laughs> we yeah. both want to know, like, what's really going on? What's the absolute truth? And you've mentioned truth a bunch of times since you've been over to the apartment. Mm-hmm. I'm curious right now how you think the application of truth really will be done through technology. Because on one side, we're being monitored right now. Our phones, my computer, ev- everyone's being monitored all the time. Yeah. How do we use technology for truth? Beyond this podcast or um, telling a friend we love them, talking, we can use it, obviously, but what are the subtle ways that we're not really aware of to use technology as a tool for truth? I'm not entirely sure how to answer that question yet. I feel like there's so much happening in this moment that I almost feel like whatever I say right now, it's not going to be relevant very quickly. It's... I, I, I really don't know. I, I, I th- like to ask the questions that I'm wondering about yeah, myself. Yeah, and, and I really feel like where my focus is right now is really helping people cultivate the tools to connect to their truth and hold a space for others to tell the truth in community in person together because i yeah. think th- in i think this is a this is a process this is an evolution right and it's almost like you skipped ahead a little bit because you're curious but i think to be present and to say okay what can we do right now to create the future that we want to create i think it, it is really asking the questions and being curious and 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 practice it starts with self practice being present and telling ourselves the truth, which sounds simple, but we really string together a lot of stories and a lot of things that aren't really our truth. And we just navigate our life with that. So I think being curious and honest with ourselves and then coming into community and conversation with those we feel safe and trust and telling the truth and just practicing that in a small way, I think that is a massive step. You just answered the question because we do our work for the truth first within us, mm-hmm. then we use technology as its vessel. Yeah. So it's interesting the way I even asked you the question because my curious mind was like, well, wait, how's technology going to be like the harbinger of truth? Yeah. Uh, we are. <laughs> We're technology. And yeah. I think that's easy to forget. I was just on a hike with a friend this afternoon going, sorry, Pines, and this concept came up of like all the conditioning, very religious training this person had had. Parents like, I think, very hardcore Catholic. It can be so challenging to first even recognize what kind of programming has been instilled Mm -hmm. to then go about the task of reprogramming it. Like that's the big one. And and it stems to the question of truth where how do we use technology as truth? Mm, We tap into the innate technology that's inside of ourselves first. We're a a wonderful machine. Like what's more complicated than the human body? We're a fascinating machine. It really comes down to 
we, we focus outward so much of the time and it's really creating space for us to focus inward and to connect with ourselves. It's, it sounds so simple and how many of us really do it. It's a practice. It's consistency. It's, it's checking in with ourselves. Uh, it's not something that just one day you do it and there it is. I meditated on Tuesday. I'm good. <laughs> no, it's right. a practice. And it's it's like going to the gym, right? You go to the gym once, you go to the gym twice. No, it's you have a practice of going to the gym and it's yeah. a part of your life and and you have a body that reflects somebody that's active. And and it's the same thing with having a mindfulness practice. It's showing up every day and having the practice. And then guess what? It's not just when you're on your mat or on your pillow. It starts to be integrated in your whole life when you're at the office, when you're having a tough conversation with your partner, whatever it is, it is which is the same thing when you you go to the gym, you know, you can carry your groceries up five flights of stairs. Yeah. So it's I think it's a lot of this is it's incrementally shifting practices in our in our lives and one of those practices is sitting with ourselves having deeper connection with selves and and that's again like that's the work that I help people do because it sounds so esoteric and it doesn't need to be esoteric at all it's a practice I think people put it in an esoteric box because it's something that can't always be perfectly quantified mm-hmm. you can't always perfectly quantify what you do the results speak for themselves Like I'm sure in the past three years specifically, since you've done a lot of retreats and I've seen you showing up massive, at least from my Instagram window (laughs) that I can see, we see each other grow. Like we have this, we have this amazing connection of friendship where because of us meeting when I was in the beginning of the journey, like Mm -hmm. truly you met me when I was just kind of barely getting traction on the mountain. Wow. And now to see like what you've created, what you're doing the types of people that we're talking to that are in our immediate energetic circles, like our, who we're vibing with, who we're on frequency with. Um, it just, it begs this question for me about if, if you leave the planet, what do you want to leave behind? I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. Yeah. Death has been coming at me a lot. Like mm-hmm. my mom's illness and, um, a friend of mine, Matt Accurso's wife passed away. I saw, and just all these like, Death is this big reminder that we're here. And like that gives me the cry feeling of gratitude now. It's interesting. My whole life, I've always felt like as far as legacy goes, I had to create something really big and really memorable and really powerful that impacted so many people. And in this space that I'm in right now, this shattering of the ego thing, I'm like, how much of that is my ego and how much of that is my truth, right? And... I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was the it was the question because I even lost the question because I lost myself in my answer. Yeah, it's about was legacy. It, was it just legacy. what would I want it to be? I mean, I th- honestly, I think that I think that I lived my namesake. You know, my name is Jem and it means I love in French. I did not know that. You this didn't whole, know this that? This whole time I've been calling you Jem. <laughs> That's so I just funny. thought it was a J with a really cool apostrophe and then some <laughs> letters after it. Yeah, no, the story is actually really amazing. My um, my mother went in labor with me on Valentine's Day. It was a long, arduous labor. And I was born just after midnight on the 16th. And they wanted to name me Jem because they were all excited that evening. Oh, she's our Valentine. My dad speaks French. And it's a phrase. It's not even a name. And then after this really challenging labor, 
They said, you know, we'll name her Jen, but let's just call her Jamie. So for most of my life, I went by Jamie. And on my birth announcement, my name was spelled two different ways, both incorrectly. Like on my announcements, they sent to everybody. So they had to have them reprinted. And I actually have a copy of the first one. So I've had this identity crisis since birth. But my name was I Love. And about a handful of years or so ago, a teacher of mine said, we're on a retreat. She said, why don't you go by your real name? And I said, I don't know. So she just started calling me that. And everyone at that retreat started calling me that. And everyone in that community started calling me that. And it went out, 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 out. And it was really challenging. Being somebody who was their business, had all these different lives they've lived, and to go back to my real name. And the amazing thing about it is it was challenging, but it wasn't because it was the truth. Mm. And so the way I navigate my life is... I mean, I speak my mind. I am no BS. I am the most direct person you'll ever meet. But I really lead with my heart. I really love. I love deeply. I do. And that is just who I've always been. And I think if I was to go, my legacy isn't all the things I created and the money that I made and and all of that. I really feel like I'd want it to be everybody gathering and remembering how they felt when they were with me, that they felt that I reflected back somehow their highest version of themselves, and they were able to truly experience what love was. I love. That, Mm -hmm. if I could have a legacy, that would be it. That would be it. That, I feel like, is the most important thing and that at some point, the, spending time with me, they just, they really felt seen. They felt loved. They felt honored. But I somehow was a reflection for their highest self that maybe when they were in a place where they couldn't see it and they couldn't feel it, I reminded them. I uh, have this sense that the concept of love, your name being I love, and even feeling what love really is. Um, only comes through really hard things sometimes. Yeah. And I and I also can relate to not knowing what love is at times and even even wondering like um if I'm loved and and what love really means. I'm almost getting the sense from you like really what you do for you, for Jem and for your clients is you bring people back to the love. And it's not just a hippie around the fireplace thing. Love is the most powerful force in the universe. Um, love can literally build cities, produce transportation. Like love has actually been what's driving most of humanity. The wars and all the other things, those have just been like the power of love that's been harnessed in a different way by unfortunately like an unconscious soul or like an unconscious leader. But in a way, this concept of grace, when things that are really bad that happen, do you believe in the concept of grace for when people's parents die early or a child gets run over or, you know, some of these atrocities that happen in the world, like, is there actually grace in that? Like, do you see grace in that happening? Do you mean grace, like a gift or beauty or is that, is that what you're meaning by grace? Yeah. I mean, I guess I would define grace in, in those contexts as it's unfolding in some higher plan from higher intelligence mm-hmm. that we don't understand. And even if we tried to, we couldn't. Mm-hmm. And just the very fact that these atrocities and terrible things exist is that part of our training to surrender mm-hmm. and just be grateful for now? 
I believe part of it is we place this value. We have these words, good and bad, right? That's a good thing that happened. That's a bad thing that happened. Yeah. And it's really, in truth, everything's neutral and it's what we assign to it. And so I feel like, first of all, that's part of it. There's all these things that are happening in rhythm with some greater universe that we can't even begin with our tiny brains to understand. I mean, maybe we study quantum physics. Maybe we understand the space and time continuum is all relative and there's several dimensions and all these different things. But really, there is so much going on that we can't even begin to understand. And with our minds, we like to understand. So we assign meaning to things. So we assign that that is good meaning and that is bad meaning. And based on our our systems and our triggers and our conditioning and our patterns, we get an emotional reaction when something happens. And I do believe we have compassion as human beings and we feel all those things. Yeah. So that's part one and part two. Just my personal opinion is I do believe before we arrive in our spacesuits on this planet, I do believe there are certain things that we want to learn. We want to experience and we have to sometimes have these challenges in order to have it we get to be a human. We get to come here and be in this human spacesuit and have this experience to learn. So I believe we sometimes choose these things to do that. Maybe we make deals with others in our soul tribe so they can have the experience and and we take turns, you know, whatever it is. I believe it can be karmic. I believe things carry over from um, several times that we come through. I believe there's so many variables at play, but I do believe ultimately human beings feel much better when we feel like we understand. And I think part of it, the peace comes from accepting we're never going to fully understand and trusting. And when we trust, we can get in that space where we're like, this might be really, really hard right now, but it's in flow. Like you just, you know, I'm personally going through something very challenging right now and I'm in flow with it. And it might be something, a challenge in my life that I signed up for. It might be something karmic. It might be in my lineage. It might be, you know, something that I get to experience or I might not experience it. Mm -hmm. But regardless, I just know how I've showed up for my life and taken responsibility and done the things that I can. And if certain things are out of my control, even though I've showed up and I've tried, I have to trust that not going my way is for some greater good. Do you have faith that you'll be guided? Yes. Yes. Because by being in the space that I'm in right now, I'm creating space to be guided. And when we're in our minds and in our heads and we're figuring out and we're heady, there's just no space for guidance. And I think there's a humility. I think there's a humility in saying, I'm just going to release this false sense of control that I don't even actually have. Because the easiest part is like when everything's all put together (laughs) and when your life is perfect, it's easy to be like, I have faith. I'm supported. I'm guided. My life is going great. But when life brings incredible challenges and thresholds, like health thresholds, the one that actually take you to the core of am I going to live or die? Mm -hmm. That's when like the real practice becomes clear. Or not clear. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure where you're at. And I know there's some things you don't want to talk about too. I right? feel, there's some things yeah. that are intimate for you right now. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, I will say this. When you're going through something really challenging, it's giving yourself 
permission to have a grieving process. So I'm a person who, like I said, I take a lot of responsibility for my life. I take care of my body. I take care of my emotional health, my mental health, spiritual, all those things. Um, and in doing that, I'm still a human being and I still have emotions and feelings and I react. And so I give myself space when I need to cry and I need to be sad. And I have conversations, full transparency, where I look at the sky and I yell and scream and say, I don't understand what you want from me. A thousand percent. I give myself the space and I lovingly allow myself full expression to be who I am and to feel the feelings and to grieve because that's healthy. I don't need that trapped in, the energy trapped in my body. And then I also like waves, allow it to move through me. Grieving, it's like waves, right? So I don't like define myself by it or cling to it and become a victim or be really angry, but I might express feel like a victim in a moment or express anger or be really sad or feel hopeless or not know what I'm going to do. I feel all those feelings and I love myself through feeling them and I honor myself and I, I surround myself by a, a close circle of individuals that I deeply love and respect that just really allow me to have my experience yeah. And just witness me when I'm having it and then I move through it. So I think that's one of the things you were saying before. You know, it's allowing ourselves to express our experience like a wave and then continue. I remember seeing you on the dance floor at the Soma event. And you were <laughs> dancing like I had seen like a little girl dance on television. And I thought to myself, this is the power of changing our state. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like anything was different for you then than it is now. I mean, it's the same human being. Mm -hmm. Yet the challenges occur and it's almost like when I watch you dance and, and it was so fun to see that because there was this child that was like having fun. And that child is the same child that we've looked out those eyes. We've looked out those child's eyes ever since we've been here on this planet. And that's actually like part of the magic, isn't it? Is that we're born, we look out of the same eyes. Here we are like, you know, in the fourth decade of life and it's the same eyes. Mm. So what is our work then? Is it to go back to those same eyes on a continuous basis so that we can dance? We dance like nobody's watching. Yeah, like actually do that though. That's a skill. And this expression you're talking about, it's the same skill. Expression is a skill right now. Mm -hmm. And when people don't express, it, it blunts the edge of that skill. And so I'm wondering like, what do you think humanity needs right now to actually practice true expression so they can keep the edge sharp? The word that came to me was permission. I find that so many people I work with just need, they want my permission. They want my permission. Yeah. Who am I to give anybody permission to do anything, really? They're paying you good money. But it's just like, it's all in there. It's all in there. And it's getting permission to feel certain things, express certain things, explore certain things, want certain things. And I can't tell you how many conversations I have, especially with women, where they start the sentence with a disclaimer. I know this is terrible, but... but I, I And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh no, you you speak your truth with me. I, I mean, I am, I've heard it all. You can't shock me. Try to shock me. It's impossible to shock me. So... I believe that so many people are looking for permission all 
around them permission just to ask for what they want. I mean, so so many simple, I mean, just simple, simple, simple things. And people have such a hard time doing it. I mean, I was at a, a birthday lunch two weeks ago. It was two minutes past ordering off the lunch menu. They'd been there for an hour. I just got there. I said, get the manager. Let's ask if we can order off the dinner menu. And they said, okay, sure, we'll accommodate that. And everyone at the table said, that was great. I said, you just need to ask. Yeah. Everyone's afraid to express what they really want in so many different ways. The phrase, how you do one thing is how you do everything. I actually believe that's true, but we're always learning how to do things better. So yeah, they're both true. So when I hear you say that, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty cool growth edge. And I think about systematic desensitization, where if somebody's super scared of like approaching women or just being in an intimate relationship, do like the one thing every single day that brings you closer to it. If somebody's scared of an elevator, go to the building one day, then come back. Then the next day, like put your foot on the elevator, then come back. And I just, this concept of permission, I feel like the same thing applies like to, to tell people like, oh, you just get to give yourself permission no matter what in every situation. I don't know if that's realistic. I think there's a learning curve when it comes to permission. Well, that's why it's a process, <laughs> especially <laughs> working process. with clients. Yeah. No, it's 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 over time. There's there's more confidence to be gained in asking for permission. But like you said, it starts with the little things. It yes. starts with the little things. And it's a process of getting comfortable with it. I'm just kind of talking about from an ultimate perspective, everybody's having a hard time. People don't feel safe expressing who they really are, saying what they really want. I mean, look at, if you really want to look at our modern dating culture, everybody's running around all over the place, pretending they don't want anything, pretending they don't have feelings, covering it all up. When in reality, if somebody really just wants to have a intimate, true, committed partnership with someone and they express that, that's pretty unusual. Most people are too afraid to really say that. It's about playing it cool, not getting too close, when in reality, people want to feel close and want to feel intimacy. Not every person, mm -hmm. but I'm going to imagine more people will want that than even admit it to themselves. And I will... I will be vulnerable share over here. I I can't even tell you. I definitely spent a large amount of dating not admitting to myself that I really did want that. And as a result, expressed the too cool for school. Oh, I'm not sure that's what I want. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't get hurt. Indecision can be an easy way to kind of hide behind getting hurt. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm indecisive. I don't know. And we live in a world right now where there's more fucking decisions than ever before. There's more platforms. There's more apps. And even in this world of podcasting and media and just coaching as well, there's so many women that deeply want to be held deeply. Yet there is a blockage. And I, and I feel this as a single man. Like I'll be approaching and talking and I'll see the wall come up. I'll actually feel the wall come up sometimes when I'm talking to a woman and I can get this sense where she just wants to be held either, mm. either in the conversation or physically with my arms around her. And I wonder as men, like, what do we do to get through that? Like, what do we actually do to not necessarily scale the wall, but just to be so strong in our presence that the woman just wants to take the wall down. 
I think it just comes down to consistency and just showing her because I mean, I, I can, understand you're not a dating coach. I can speak from, I do not pretend I am a dating coach. <laughs> I can just reflect back my experience. And, <laughs> and I, it's interesting because, um, I think, I think men have had similar experiences to women, but just, I can only speak from experience of a woman. I think many times men speak of grandiose things that they want in this relationship and all of that. And then they just don't show up consistently in alignment with that. And you're left with questions and wondering and really just, if you're not interested in her, kindly let her know. If you don't see it going there, kindly let her know. I mean, it's, so I think really it comes down to saying, this is what I want. These are my intentions. And through her act, through your actions, she will start to feel safe. She will, when she is physically with you in your space, she'll Mm -hmm. feel safe Mm -hmm. because she'll know, okay, my body, I can start to let those walls down. This is okay. This is safe. It's almost like you're training her body, her nervous system to know you're safe and okay. But if somebody's nervous system has been tricked up enough times through dating, she's going to have walls up. She's going to be shut Mm. down. She's going to be protected because it's not safe. It's not commenting on you. It's not, she's not poo-pooing all men. It's just literally her body protecting her because it's not safe. So I think it's just reconditioning and and literally teaching her nervous system that you are safe. I love this concept of teaching the nervous system. Yeah. I feel like that applies to everything and everyone because if I'm, if I've done the work and I'm coming into a space and she can feel that I'm calm Mm -hmm. and she understands who I am. That goes a long way. Even with that, though, Jem, I felt that there have been situations where there's just an unwillingness. There's a white knuckling to let go. And that's okay, too, because no woman owes me what I want. I I don't have an expectation where I'm going to walk into a room and all of a sudden every woman, I'm going to feel their walls drop. Like, you know, that might be something like a superpower that I develop as time goes on. But right now, I just get this sense that we're in this time where the new masculine, the new kind of man. I used to hold resentment against this man. I called it the spiritual Superman, where I where I would say things like, every woman in Encinitas wants the guy that can hold space, fuck her, chop wood, and write her a poem, and, and be there for her emotions. It was like the spiritual Superman. But I realized that that's not like just the spiritual Superman. Like We want the same thing as men. And so I, I guess really what I'm talking out loud and figuring out here is, there is this part of human evolution where now we even get to have conversations like this before, you know, looking at you being a futurist, this wasn't even a luxury that people could have. We're in a very luxurious time to be alive. And so let's take advantage of it. Let's really soak it all in for what it is. But I don't think wellness is a luxury. I think wellness and the way that we live our lives now, I think it's a conscious choice. I have this sense that you and I are literally carving out a new lane. The people that are even mm. a part of what we're carving out, they're carving out their new lane. And it's a pretty exciting time. And I think we're all just doing the best that we can, this concept of doing the best that we can. Um, what is the best that you can look right now? Mm. Wow, that's such a broad question. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I actually had one last thought that I'd love to just share if that's okay yeah, around. I love this. I love yeah. that we just decided to throw on these podcast headsets too. This has been so fun. So much fun. Yeah. And for you, you said, you know, you've done the work and you step into a space and sometimes a woman still has her her walls up. And and my response to that is, then she's not your woman. Your woman it, there'll be grace and, and ease. And, you know, sometimes it's like we can take our time with the dance and get to know each other and it'll just be grace and ease. She, it's it's almost like you don't need to be a spiritual Superman because you don't need to attract every woman. You just get to attract your woman. And it will happen if you just keep showing up as you and all the beautiful work you've done and how you are the truth and continue standing in that the women that have the walls up are going to just fall away because they're not your woman. And there's nothing wrong with those women. Those women are fantastic and they've got their person. So I almost believe it's a gift. And I believe sometimes it gets really quiet and really challenging before we meet our divine partner. And it's like this clearing of, you know, all these things we used to attract, the things that don't serve us, the things if we really declare what we want, think about how unique and special that is. We are not, our time is no longer being wasted. So it might seem like these women show up in your life and they're not available to open up or they disappear rather quickly. But I really believe it's because you're standing so much in your truth and so boldly for what you really deeply want that that's what you're going to get. And that is few and far between. So I'm looking at that as a gift. I don't think I don't think at this point in your life what you need to be as a spiritual superman to have a million women. I think that would be confusing. I think that would clog up your space. Mm-hmm. You want your woman. And she yeah. will be open and available yeah, and, for and you. That, and that feels really good because I'm flashing back to a moment just a week ago where Christine Hassler came on mm-hmm. the show for the second time. And she said this. She said, when I actually embodied letting go, not just wrote it down in a journal, did morning pages, told my groups, told my people that I was going to let go. When she actually energetically unlocked and just let it go, yeah, that she wasn't attached to having yeah. her man look a certain way, be a certain way, come at a certain time. When she just fucking let go, the very next week it came to her. It's exactly what you're talking about. A thousand percent. And it's it's truly, it's what I was saying about integration and embodiment. It's not the idea of I'm letting go. And it's, and it's interesting because the space that I am in, I have released, I had all these, I had the, the book and the coach and the manifesting and all, I've done all that, right? I am in a place now where I am just, I've sort of said, I put my hands up and I said, I trust there's something greater and more powerful that is moving me along and I'm open. And you know what? I trust in that so much that if I am supposed to navigate my life as a single woman who is love, who gets to have the most amazing people in her world and do the work I get to do and have the adventures I get to have, then I get to trust that that's in the highest good of something and be okay with it. And maybe love will be sprinkled in along the way. <laughs> I'm really, honestly, I've had really amazing adventures and beautiful, you know, relationships and connections in my life. I'm just at this place where I'm like, I don't need to fight anymore. You know, he, my man, he's out there and he's cultivating himself as a man and as a human being. And 
when it's time, you know, whether it's next week or whether it's in 20 years, it will happen. It will happen. And if it doesn't, then there's a greater good. And I'm genuinely in that place. And it feels like a relief. That's honestly how it feels. And I look at all, I look at relationships, I look at things that I've experienced. And it's so funny how they don't land in my body anymore at all. Like different mm. things that were like, this person wronged me or it's upset. It doesn't even, it just literally like falls to like water off a duck's back because I'm in a different space. I'm in this really full space of just surrender and trust right now. You know, this has been like a beautiful electron transport conversation between you and I. <laughs> also, it's been challenging for me because there's so much of your life that I know you can't speak about. Mm. And I want to ask you about that as a friend. Mm. So I think when the time is right in the future, we'll explore that together. Absolutely. I think, and, you know, I'm in the midst of navigating some things that are challenging in my life. And I feel like sometimes when we're in the midst of something, it's this like sacred journey we're on with ourselves, And that's where I am in it. And I believe in sharing our challenges and our journey when there's value for others, a hundred percent. That's a beautiful way to say it. Yeah. And I'm in it right now. So I'm just asking questions and I'm curious, right? And it's sacred space that's just, I'm being held in. So I feel like on the other side of it, if there, if you feel there's value for others, I am happy to share if, Mm. if I can, I can be of help to anybody. I just have this sense that so many people, we had Brenda Walding on the show and she had breast cancer. And, and when she is one of the most touching moments ever, because there was a moment and I'm not going to ruin it for anyone. Cause I would love somebody to listen to this and get the same fresh feeling. Her mom had a moment with her in the bathroom with a song. And, it, and as I'm interviewing her, I start crying mm-hmm. because there is this universal connection of truth. We've talked about truth a lot in this conversation. And I think the challenge can be, when do we share? You know, when, when do we know, when do you know when to share and when not to, when it comes to <clears throat> something that you're learning, something that you're going through? Like, mm-hmm. How do you decide when to share and when not to share? Hmm. You know, I think it really comes down to, there's this aspect of self-care that has to come first. This aspect of, I'm loving myself through something challenging right now. It's like, what do I need to be okay? And if part of what I need to be okay is just being in really held in this space of people that think the way that I do, that just love me and support me, and that's what I need, then that comes before anything else. Because I can always offer value and share later. But I think right now, you know, it's more about... um asking ourselves what we need in challenging times and that I think that I think that's what it really comes down to then to circle back on that question because it's come up so many times in the past couple months actually I really believe that when Brene Brown says people everyone is doing the best they can I believe that now and it wasn't just from reading her books Um, I can see it on people even when somebody's coming from anger or resentment or fear in the moment, that is the best they can. So to come back to that question for you, like, what is your best right now? Mm. Like, what is, what is your North Star when it comes to, well, this is my best and this is why it's my best in this current moment with everything you're going through? 
my best just within myself is I'm just really being conscious of practicing kindness. And like I said earlier, all the feelings, you know, that I need to have and express and to allow myself to have them without judgment and um, just if I can't show up a certain way, you know, really within a friendship or whatever, just like really being honest about that and trusting that that's enough. Yeah, I, I feel like it's just letting myself be meeting myself where I am and just being okay with it. And you know what? Today's a great day. I'm having, I'm in a really happy mood. Everything's great. I've had a past few days have been fantastic, you know? So I I also want to not paint this picture like I'm in a dark hole, just navigating some things that are really big concepts and challenging. But I think my best right now is just meeting myself where I am and, and allowing myself to just just be where I am. Thinking about um, cultural anthropology and futurism and uh, the old world that you came from, how would you define wellness for the future? You know, this this Mm -hmm. signature that I always love to figure out with people is how they define wellness. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you define that? But for you, I feel like it's a different question. I feel like it's really, what is the future of wellness? What does that look like for us as a humanity? It's really interesting. About a decade ago, I did a project for Johnson & Johnson on the future of wellness. And um, at that point... It, I had did, no idea you did a project that's called the future of wellness. That's for, awesome. Yeah. For, for, so Jay and, so cool. Jay and Jay was looking at building a uh-huh. huge wellness center. And so I sort of had carte blanche to go. I, I actually did a juice cleanse. This was, I mean, this was a while ago and became a vegan and didn't eat meat for quite a number of years, well over a decade. So have been exploring this question for a long time. And I think that for the future of wellness, I think it's, this is, this is, I could go on for a long time about this, but what's coming to me first is that it's integrated. You know, it's not just, we're not treating a body. We're not treating a mind. We're not treating emotions. We're not, that we're, it's holistic, right? That this is a a whole being and a person and there's so many different facets of what's going on. And I believe that that's already starting to happen. Um, I mean, in the world that you're, you and I, and it's, it's definitely happening, but I'm saying yeah. in the greater world, people are starting to do that. Um, and I think just, I think just having more keen awareness, I feel like so much is done on autopilot to put band-aids on things when something gets uncomfortable. And I think it's going to be more and more and more for society about creating a life that is aware that this could happen. So maybe I should practice prevention. That physical ailments come from things that have been going on emotionally, mentally, could even be something that's um, genetic, karmic, so many things. So we understand this. there's this deeper root that we need to be addressing. And I feel like none of that's new what I just shared, but I feel like it's also, it's going to be more mainstream. And I feel like it's also technology is going to be tied into that. So while we're going to be more holistic and and grounded in the earth in certain regards, we're also going to be fusing technology 
with almost like going back to the basics and nature. And I don't even honestly have a full picture of what that is. So it's really interesting when I tap into things, how how I get the information. Sometimes I literally get like a, it's like a gate or it's like fuzzy and I'm just like, it's like, you don't get that yet. And I don't push. I'm not kidding. I know that that sounded like the most woo-woo thing I've said the entire conversation. Hey, if people are sticking around this long, like it's on because they're they're fully in for the woo <laughs> roller coaster. Yeah, like, I've actually haven't been all that woo-woo, but um, I, I, I can be, but I don't always need to be. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing that we did this because this is the first time I've ever just like thrown on a headset with a friend at my house wow. randomly with no plan. And I loved it because... This is what people are hungry for, mm. is to go back to this pendulum that we've been kind of chasing left and right in this conversation is, what is the truth and can we get there as quickly as possible? Mm. Can we just be that? Can we just be truthful with one another? And if anything, um, I'd love for you to leave people with this feeling of what is their truth? How do they begin to find their truth? You do this with so many women, so many people, mm -hmm. and you've been on the journey to find your truth and you're experiencing a new layer of it right now. So if somebody's listening to this, if there's one thing they could get away with it to what is the first or third or second step to find their truth, what is that? We need to create space for it, right? So I find that so many people are looking for the truth and they're like looking outside. So I think it's even just as simple as a practice of getting comfortable sitting in a chair, putting both your feet on the ground, feeling it, feeling the ground, taking three deep inhales through the nose, exhale out the mouth, and just getting really quiet with yourself. And just asking yourself, how are you in this moment? Just starting to have really, it doesn't have to be complicated, having really simple dialogue. And then the response might be a laundry list of, I'm this, I'm stressed, I'm tired. I, you never know. And it's like, okay, great. And then just asking questions even beyond that and beyond that and beyond that. And just creating a safe space for yourself to start to unravel because you're going to get the initial, like, top of mind. This is what's happening. This is my knee-jerk response. The monkey mind is in full effect. Totally. Yeah. And I think this isn't, this is a practice. So it's literally creating these moments of quiet and stillness where we ask ourselves these questions. And we can even have one specific question that we ask ourselves every time we sit down. And the first 30 times you might get kind of the same thing. But then the 31st time or the 100th time, you might get something different. You're like, well, that was different. So I think it's just a real practice of allowing ourselves. First of all, sometimes we need to have the tantrum of bleh, of all the things and then we express it and then, okay, great. I heard you and I honor that. Mm -hmm. And what? What's beyond that? What's beyond that? So I think it's the practice of creating space is such a first step. And I could give more steps, but I'm all about keeping things simple and showing up and doing one simple, profound thing every day. And really what it is, 
is it's developing a deeper sense of trust with yourself. Because most of us don't trust ourselves and that's why we ask permission. So if we constantly show up like a really good friend and say, what are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? Every single day, we start to trust ourselves and we get closer to the truth. I want a hug. Mm. <laughs> thank you for being my friend. Mm. Thank you for coming on the show. I love you. I am supporting you and everything that you're about to step into. So thank you for being you. I love you. And I'm so honored to be on your show and to be the very, very first person to sit in this chair. And this is the first impromptu podcast ever, which I mm. love so much. Yeah. And, um, we're going to be following you, so let people know where they can actually reach out to you if they feel called to this path of truth, if they've liked things you've said. And also, if you've triggered them, reach out to her as well. If, yeah. she's, if she's triggered you, let her know. Uh, but where do they play? Where do they play with you? I would love that. So you can go to my website, which is J-A-I-M-E-R-A-D-O-W.com, and uh, reach out to me there. I'm also on Instagram at... J-A-I-M-E-R-A-D-O-W. Instagram's a good one. You can DM me. And yeah, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Okay, let's go get some sparkling water. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to the show, my friend. Everything you learned on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 300 world-class guests, we pulled together six simple yet powerful morning practices down into a 21-minute system guaranteed to increase your vibration and the way that you feel every day. Get this free powerful guide over at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. And if you love this show, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that you love or that you care about. You can support the show easily by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. Or if you're on your phone, just tap it. Hit the link in purple that says review this podcast. And the journey does not stop here. We're continuing this discovering process in our private Facebook group over at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. You can be a part of it. You already are. All you have to do is join us at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. And I will welcome you at the door. Now go out into your life and live your life well. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.